Hey, everybody. It is Thursday, January 12th, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, I'm happy to report that uh, I'm coming to you right now from New York, where I had no travel plans today. Because when I woke up on Wednesday morning to see that literally no planes could take (laughs) off in North America... I was like, oh my God, you think you have it all figured out. You try to take the first in the morning flight. You try to only do carry-on and then the FAA computer fails. Moshe, I was actually thinking about you, the world traveler. Where in the world is Moshe (laughs) Wanunu? I mean, I've thought of you and I'm thinking, I really hope he is in his apartment or wherever you are. I just hope that you weren't having to travel, that you were staying there. Well, thankfully that was the case, but that was not the case for hundreds of thousands of other Americans, some of whom were messaging me from the tarmac as they awaited takeoff. We're going to have a lot of details on that story, though, later in this podcast. And let's get to those headlines now. Travel chaos and canceled flights as a government computer system broke down. How this happened and where things stand now. Oops, he did it again. More classified documents <laughs> discovered from Biden's time as vice president. I thought you might like that much. I, I like that line. Well done. Well done, Jill. <laughs> Overseas, Putin is replacing the general in charge of the war in Ukraine. After just three months, Apple's MacBooks could be getting a big makeover, taking a page from Microsoft of all places. Some new numbers on the amount of credit card debt that many Americans have right now and the jobs that make you happiest and least happy. Plus, Mosh, of course, has got our On This Day. Your clue today, my loneliness is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Might be obvious to some of you, maybe not less obvious to others. Okay, let's do it. Thousands of flights across the U.S. were canceled or delayed on Wednesday after a government computer system that offers safety and vital information to pilots broke down in the morning. It stranded some planes on the ground, some on the runway for hours. The travel chaos was caused by the failure of the FAA's Notice to Air Missions Computer System, or NOTAM, which alerts pilots and other personnel about airborne issues and other delays at airports across the country. More than a 1,000 flights were canceled in the U.S., Thousands of more were delayed. So the system actually failed Tuesday afternoon and then wasn't operational again until the 9 a.m. hour uh, Eastern time on Wednesday. In the meantime, the FAA ordered all departing flights to remain grounded. All flights that were already in the air were allowed to land. The last time that we had that many planes grounded was on September 11th. The White House said there is no evidence that a cyber attack triggered the outage, which upended travel plans for millions of passengers. President Biden said he directed the Department of Transportation to investigate. It's been a rough few weeks for travelers. Uh, NBC Jill is reporting that a corrupted file that affected both the primary NOTAM system and backup system uh, is the culprit here, but the investigation continues. Uh, As you noted, the issue started around 3 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday with a corrupt file. That's when the main system uh, went down. They went to the backup system. Then in the overnight hours on Tuesday, they decided to do what else? Let's do a shutdown and a reboot. You know, it's what IT always, always tells you. Always works for me. <laughs> it always works. And so uh, when the least amount of planes were set to take off and in the air, they're like, let's do an overnight reboot. Let's shut down the system, reset it. And typically a reboot takes 90 minutes, but it took longer this time. 
too long, which is what led to these issues on Wednesday morning. Back up here, because this is probably the first time many people have heard of NOTAM. So the acronym originally stood to Notice to Airmen, uh, which gives you a sense of how old this is. This is the language used in the late 40s when the system was adopted for air and sea and all pilots were men. Uh, That's been updated uh, to Notice to Air Missions at this point. And it lists all potential hazards, conditions that could impact flights. Uh, The reason why they felt that flights already in the air on Wednesday morning could land is because they'd already gotten their uh, NOTAM previously. They were able to update them, um, you know, directly, but they just didn't have the capacity to handle uh, planes taking off. Uh, The issue here right now, I was talking to Peter Greenberg, the CBS uh, senior uh, travel uh, consultant. Uh, He does a whole bunch of travel stuff. Uh, And he was saying that the system goes back to the early 90s, uh, the computer system. And it's, you know, the same era as dial-up modems, Prodigy, early AOL. They're still using NOTAM, from the early 90s. Uh, they've been trying to get it updated for years. They're waiting for this major bill from Congress's reauthorization to get it done. Uh, if they fast-tracked it, he says it would take them 18 months to update the system. So uh, the fact that Congress, the Department of Transportation, everyone's on top of this might mean that, this, that we get it started. But that's an update that would still put us several years behind, just to give you a sense of the computer systems that are running uh, aspects of what we you know, experience every day. Look, I think for most people, when they heard that there was some type of issue with the computer system, they immediately thought that there was a hack, perhaps from Russia, uh, which has said that there would be consequences for the U.S. getting involved in whatever capacity in Ukraine. Right. Did, did Peter think that any of this could be a hack? I know that the government is saying that at this point, they don't believe that that's what caused this. They don't believe so. And his understanding based on his sources were was that if they thought in any way, shape or form this was a hack, they would have shut down all air travel. Right. They would have done what they did on 9-11, which is land at the closest airport immediately. Um, They didn't do that. Right. All the planes that were in the air, international flights, et cetera, were allowed to land throughout Wednesday morning. It was just takeoff. Um, so the, and by the way, the, given how old the system is, like, it's funny. It's like the same way we run our nuclear missile systems with NORAD. Like they're so old, it's like unhackable. They're using like floppy disks and hard <laughs> right. disks and stuff. So I like that's they, one almost, good thing. Yeah. <laughs> they almost benefit from how antiquated the system is that like it almost makes it difficult to hack. But I, again, the feeling the the sense was if this was a hack and there was any danger, they would have done the immediately land somewhere and they didn't do that. Ah, okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. Or worse. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I do hope everybody, there is nothing worse than getting stuck in the airport or having these travel delays. So I do hope that everyone got to where they needed to go safely. Switching gears. Here we go again. Aides to President Biden found a second batch of classified documents at a new location separate from the Washington office that he used after leaving the Obama administration, sources tell NBC News. As we reported yesterday, back in November, aides first discovered a batch of 10 classified documents from Biden's time as vice president at the private office that he used after his time as VP in 2018. The sources tell NBC News that since then, aides have done an exhaustive search of documents stored at locations beyond his former Washington office to figure out if there are any other classified documents that may have been inadvertently packed in boxes when he cleared out of the vice president's office in January of 2017. 
Those documents would have then been turned over to the National Archives and reviewed by the Justice Department. And yes, it appears that they did find a second group of classified documents. So we don't know how many. We don't know exactly where, Jill. Was it in the same office, but a different location in the office? Was it in another city, another state? Um, And so uh, we're waiting more details on that. Kudos to NBC so far. That's uh, been really on top of the story and, and apparently has some pretty good sources. On Tuesday, when asked by reporters about that first batch of documents, Biden said he was surprised, didn't know what was in the documents, and was actually told by his lawyers not even to ask. Um, A bunch of Republicans right now, this second find is only reinforcing their push for the Justice Department to do more. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley, he's a Republican from Missouri, minutes after that NBC report came out about the second batch of documents, tweeted out the words special counsel. Uh, Republicans are putting pressure on the Justice Department to appoint an independent special counsel similar to the one that's investigating the Trump classified documents. Right now, the Justice Department has assigned a U.S. attorney out of Chicago. Incidentally, only one of the two Trump-appointed U.S. attorneys left in the government to investigate this. So obviously, they tried to take optics into account here. Incidentally, Jill, uh, keeping track of those two Trump holdovers, the other one is in Delaware and happens to be the U.S. attorney who's investigating Hunter Biden. So Justice Department here during the Biden administration has made a point of at least appointing, using the Trump appointees to investigate Biden to show that, you know, they're trying to stay free from bias. The chair and the vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee have written to uh, the director of national intelligence asking for access to the classified documents, uh, a damage assessment by the intel community, and a briefing on both the Biden and the Trump documents. It's similar to over the summer, the committee did request information after that FBI search warrant was conducted in Mar-a-Lago. That's where they found more than 300 classified documents. And we've talked about that whole 18-month battle they engaged in with Trump to uh, get back those documents. And then when they refused, the search warrant. So far, it does appear that the Biden folks have been very quick to return anything upon discovery, but there are still more questions than answers here, and the White House is having a difficult time answering questions. Jill, let's take a listen to a bit of the White House briefing. Uh, This is our old colleague, Ed O'Keefe, who's a CBS White House correspondent, questioning the White House Press Secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre. I want to be prudent here. Uh, I want to make sure that we do this in appropriate, the appropriate way. We're going to ask them because that's our job. I understand. And and my job is to answer your questions. So here we go. Let's go. We ask this is because on like day two of this administration, when he swore all of you in, the president said, quote, I'm going to make mistakes when I make them. I'll acknowledge them and I'll tell you and I'll need your help to help me correct them. So you're the one here. Yeah, talking to us about this. That's why we're asking you. So let's just remember that. We don't need we don't need to have this. We work very well together. We do. I don't we don't need to have this kind of confrontation. Ask your question and I will answer well, them the best the reason, that I can. Part of the reason we're laying that out is because you're laying out your part of the job. We're I know, laying out our part of the job, I know but I'm just saying that we don't need we to have contention. We, we don't need to be contentious with me here. Ed. Yeah, Moshe, this is turning into a huge headache for the Biden administration. So I've been trying to monitor some right wing and Republican commentators. Many are pointing to a Biden interview with 60 Minutes where he was asked about the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. 
Um, in response, he wondered how that could possibly happen, how anyone could be that irresponsible. Uh, also reading from a column in the Washington Post today, before news of a second batch of documents were found, this is um, from Mark Thiessen, a Republican and former speechwriter for President Bush. He wrote, prosecuting Trump, but not Clinton or Biden for mishandling classified documents would be extremely difficult to explain to the American people. It is already suspicious that the documents of Biden's private office were discovered on November 2nd, less than a week before the midterm elections, yet the public was not informed of the discovery until this week. The FBI's search of Trump's home less than three months earlier had led Democrats to argue that Trump and his supporters were too irresponsible to be trusted with the levers of power. Why weren't the American people told that Biden had similarly mishandled classified information before they went to the polls? So, Mosh, we're starting to see really the Republican talking points here. Yeah. And uh, by the way, it comes at a time where the Republicans have taken over the House and they were planning on investigating Biden anyway. So this is yet another thing for them to delve into. And, you know, we've laid out the differences here, right, that, um, you know, at least what we know so far that uh, the Biden documents, uh, you know, it's less than uh, 10 percent of documents Trump had. Trump personally uh, asked for the documents to go with him from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Trump's people refused to give it back to the archives for you know the better part of uh, you know nearly two years. But ultimately, here, no matter what, you know we have a situation where uh, Biden, out of office, had classified documents uh, inappropriately. Trump, out of office, had documents inappropriately. Going back, Hillary had classified documents uh, that she shouldn't have had. So clearly there's a larger issue here in terms of uh, securing classified documents. Uh, And yes, it shows again that, you know, uh, that clip you're going to hear over and over again of Biden going after Trump at Mar-a-Lago, the one you noted on 60 Minutes, uh, being like, how can you be so irresponsible? And he, you know, apparently he's saying, unbeknownst to him, didn't have it. But it's certainly, you know, we're learning new stuff every day as we're bringing to you on the podcast and uh, we'll we'll see what happens here. But it's a rough go, uh, especially as we will learn in the coming months if Biden's going to be running for president again. And this is surely a topic that'll come up. Jill, we have a lot more news to get to. But first, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors this week. Our first partner has a product that I literally use every day. And I understand some just came in the mail for you. Moshe, that's right. A big package of Athletic Greens just came in the mail. We are so excited. My husband and I are definitely going to try them. As you know, my entire house has been sick for for what feels like forever. So uh, maybe this could help. I I told you the other day, my daughter was sick again. And you're like, I don't even understand how that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. It is. Oh, oh, it is. I'm hearing from lots of parents, including you, Jill. Uh, So I've been using since the fall, and I look forward to hearing how it'll go for you. The Athletic Greens AG1 all-in-one supplement. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. The experience is simple, affordable. I'm feeling an extra boost of energy. And it's much easier than the various vitamins I was taking before, some in the morning, afternoon, and night. So I love the simplicity here. The AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also includes pre and probiotics to support your gut health. And here is the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs. You can check it all out over at athleticgreens.com slash monews. Take advantage of the offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just a month. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal. 
And there is one more partner I want to tell Mo News listeners about with a special deal for all of you. This comes to us from our friends over at Bolin Branch Bedding and Sheets. We're all trying to stay warm this winter, so let's talk bed sheets that can keep you warm and ones that you want to stay in for as long as possible before braving those cold temps. My wife and I got our first set of Bolin Branch late last year. We're loving them. Made with the softest 100% organic cotton, no toxins. They actually get softer with every wash. We also gave them as a gift to a couple family members who are loving them as well. They come in all sizes, 10 different colors. That is Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch. They're extending a special deal to Mo News listeners. You can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, over at bowlandbranch.com. Also, free shipping and returns. That is Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code MONEWS. Time now for the speed read from NBC News. Russian President Putin has replaced the latest commander that he had leading Russian forces in Ukraine, this time just three months after he handed him the job. General Surovikin, nicknamed General Armageddon by the Russian media because of his ruthlessness, he has been demoted. General Valery Gerasimov will take over, and it comes as Ukraine warns it's planning a major new offensive after months of battlefield setbacks for Moscow. Shortly after Surovikin was appointed to lead the operation in October, Russia began its campaign to destroy Ukraine's energy infrastructure, leaving millions of Ukrainian civilians without heat or power for extended periods. He also oversaw Russia's withdrawal from the city of Kherson, a major success for the Ukrainians, and at the same time, a humiliation for Russia. Jill, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Notably, General Gerasimov served as one of the architects of the original invasion, including the failed battle plan last February to take Kiev in the first days of the war. He's effectively Russia's version of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but he is very close to Putin, and so Putin is putting him back in charge. It might indicate that they actually plan to expand the scope of the operation, given how much authority he has. I was listening to a few analysts who said the replacement of Surovika General Armageddon. What a name, by the way. Uh, it's it's because of how ruthless he was in Syria in terms of just bombing civilians there. Uh, he was a respected commander. Incidentally, now he's going to become the deputy for the new guy. So Putin is effectively just kind of rearranging the deck chairs here as uh, he's having difficulty executing this war. Uh, it looks like he's trying to project some stability here, uh, despite the darkening military outlook and the fact that they continue to lose territory and Ukraine is on the offensive here. Okay, a couple of developments on the gun control front here in the United States. From Reuters, the state of Illinois has banned the sale of many common kinds of semi-automatic guns, effective immediately. This is a response to that mass shooting at an Independence Day parade in Highland Park last year. The new law, which Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker signed on Tuesday evening, bans selling many kinds of weapons that automatically load the next bullet after a shot, including semi-automatic rifles and pistols with detachable magazines. The law lists dozens of popular gun brands made by U.S. gun makers. Rifles that hold more than 10 bullets and pistols that hold more than 15 are also banned, as are rapid-fire attachments and 50 caliber guns. People who already own those weapons will be able to keep them but must register them with state police. This is really notable here, Jill, because in Illinois, you had some people celebrating. At the same time, you have now, by uh, the Chicago Tribune's count, at least 30 Illinois county sheriffs that are refusing to enforce the newly passed assault weapons ban because they say it violates the Second Amendment. Uh, the governor has previously threatened to fire sheriffs who don't comply with the new law. 
Um, so we'll see what happens there. With its passage, Illinois is now among nine states and D.C. that have assault weapons bans. Three other states have additional safety requirements on those weapons. I listed them over on the Instagram feed. Federally, as a country, we did have an assault weapons ban in effect from 1994 to 2004, but Democrats and Republicans let that lapse during the Bush administration. At the time, the law prohibited the sale and manufacture of certain military-style semi-automatic weapons and high-capacity magazines. Uh, Federally, there was a move last year for the U.S. House to pass a new assault weapons ban that came after the Highland Park shooting, but the bill did not gain traction in the Senate. Uh, and of course, now with Republicans controlling the House and Democrats with a very narrow majority in the Senate, they would need 60 votes to pass it. It does not look likely to be happening federally. Separately, Jill, I wanted to update everyone on another uh, gun law dispute, this one happening in the state of New York. The U.S. Supreme Court this week allowed New York's new handgun restrictions to stay in place for now as a lower appeals court. Here is the case. The state's new ban on firearms in designated sensitive locations includes buses, parks, and stores where the owner doesn't want weapons. It also requires a gun license applicant to disclose their social media accounts and provide contact information for their family members and housemates. New York enacted this law last year after the Supreme Court struck down a previous New York law that had required people to show a need to carry a concealed gun. So the Supreme Court knocks down this law last year. New York says we still need more secure laws and passes this new law. They are now facing a lawsuit on that new law. This comes to us from the Gun Owners of America. They're challenging this. And so they filed this emergency petition with the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, we're not dealing with it for now. We're going to defer to a lower court. It doesn't, by the way, look very good for the New York law. The district court already uh, ruled against New York. Now the appeals court will hear it. Uh, So it will likely come back to the Supreme Court. And given how they're ruling on Second Amendment cases of late, uh, it does not look great for the state of New York if they're looking to keep this law in place. Okay, from Bloomberg, Apple's working on adding touchscreens to its Mac computers, a move that would defy long-held company orthodoxy and embrace an approach that co-founder Steve Jobs once called ergonomically terrible. Apple engineers are now actively engaged in the project, indicating that the company is seriously considering producing touchscreen Macs for the first time. This is according to people familiar with the efforts. Still, a launch has not been finalized and the plans could change. Back in 2018, Jill, Apple's head of software said, quote, we really feel that the ergonomics of using a Mac are that your hands are rested on a surface and that lifting your arm up to poke a screen is pretty fatiguing thing to do. You know, Apple takes the whole design. Exhausting. (laughs) Exhausting. Apple takes this whole design thing very, very seriously. So Bloomberg is reporting, according to their sources inside Apple, that we could see a MacBook Pro that you can use as a touchscreen as early as 2025. So just in over two years, Apple's Mac business has been doing great so far. Uh, Sales surged as Apple replaced Intel processors in most of their computers with its own silicon chip. Uh, That's improved battery life, reduced overheating, those noises your laptop makes. Um, And so their Mac business is doing pretty well. But interestingly, Microsoft has uh, put out a variety of laptops with touchscreens, which makes some believe, like, I wonder if they're following that example. Uh, And of course, you have, of course, iPads, which with all their accessories and apps have basically turned the tablet into a MacBook. So, you know, this is sort of the marriage or merger of the laptop and the um, and the newest iPads, though we should mention to folks that Apple has dropped projects before. Uh, so they might get started on something and they decide they don't want to go ahead with it. So it's nothing is a guarantee here. 
but uh, you know, we'll we'll see if they give us ergonomically uh, less fatiguing <laughs> touchscreen MacBooks sometime in the near future. It's funny because my daughter, who's four years old, uh, she always plays with my phone, which is obviously a touchscreen. And mm-hmm. when she goes to my computer, I have a MacBook Air. And when she play, goes to my computer, she just assumes that you could also touch the screen. So she yeah. tries to, to move it around. And, you know, look, it's it's fascinating to see technology through the eyes of a four-year-old because they're actually more tech-savvy than some of us. Um, and, 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 I guess and what's it's intuitive, just, right? Like, exactly. and it's how intuitive the touch thing is. And that's what I was thinking. You know, yeah. it's like, hmm, maybe... Maybe uh, Microsoft and the rest were onto something here. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've seen videos and or you may have witnessed like babies and toddlers or whatever, like trying to swipe a book or swipe a TV screen. Like the the whole swipe touchscreen thing is, you know, once you see it on the phone, you know, we might be living in that world where everything is that way. All right. From NPR, Americans are piling up credit card debt and it could prove very costly. More Americans are leaning on their credit cards in the face of rising prices. And as interest rates continue to climb, that debt is getting a lot more expensive. The average credit card user was carrying a balance of just under $5,500 last fall, according to TransUnion, up 13% from 2021. And it marks a reversal from the first year of the pandemic when many Americans were able to pay down credit card debt thanks to generous government relief payments and limited spending on travel and entertainment. Yeah, we've been talking about inflation a lot on this podcast, and as inflation has been outpacing wage increases and incomes, more people are relying on credit cards to cover everyday expenses. Analysts say that contrary to popular opinion, it's not a vacation or a shopping spree that is getting people into deep debt. It's something pretty practical, uh, especially as you know we we're talking about, uh, yesterday on the podcast about all the price increases people are seeing. Uh, by the way, I've heard from all of you who've sent me pictures of the egg prices near you. Gotten, uh, we talked about it yesterday, how expensive they're getting uh, due to the whole avian flu thing. But it's a serious matter, you know, given how expensive things are getting um, across the country. So unfortunately, that has now meant that many more Americans are getting into credit card debt. The share of credit card users who carry a balance has increased from just under 40% to now 46% from a year ago. So nearly one out of two Americans is carrying a credit card balance right now. And that comes as we're seeing some of the highest credit card interest rates since the 1970s. Uh, The average touched 19% in the fourth quarter for credit card interest. Uh, Many people experiencing credit card uh, interest rates in the high 20% region, Jill. From CBS News, First Lady Jill Biden has surgery to remove multiple cancerous skin lesions. Doctors successfully removed cancerous skin tissue from the First Lady's chest and face during a scheduled procedure Wednesday, according to a letter from the White House physician. He said the First Lady was feeling well. Good news there. Definitely. President Biden accompanied uh, his wife to Walter Reed uh, to have the procedure, which is known as Mohs surgery. Both the lesion above her right eye and the lesion on her chest were confirmed to be basal cell carcinoma, the most common form of skin cancer. In both instances, all cancerous tissue was successfully removed. And uh, that type of cancer, I'm told, by oncologists typically doesn't spread or is very unlikely to spread. Uh, But both uh, the president and the first lady have dealt with these types of procedures in the past. And uh, it's good to see that she's doing well. From USA Today, tennis star Naomi Osaka announced her pregnancy after withdrawing from the Australian Open on a social media post. She wrote, I know that I have so much to look forward to in the future. One thing I am looking forward to is for my kid to watch one of my matches and tell someone that's my mom. 
The 25-year-old says she plans to be back for the 2024 Australian Open. She's been dating rap artist Corday since 2019. And we've talked about her uh, in the past. She's been candid about her mental health experiences and told reporters that the sport was no longer bringing her joy after her uh, third round exit back at the 2021 U.S. Open. She then took an indefinite break but returned at the start of last season. Off the court, Osaka remains the highest paid female athlete, according to Forbes, due to her various partnerships and sponsorships. I would have thought Serena Williams was the most uh, was the highest paid female athlete. Close. Number two, Jill. So according to Forbes, Osaka came in at fifty one million dollars last year. Serena, forty one million. Okay, and from the Washington Post, a new happiness and stress survey looks at the happiest, least stressful, most meaningful jobs, places, and activities in America. Podcast host. Podcast host. That is a very all-encompassing survey and and poll. There's a lot of data here. There's a lot of data here. Okay, so agriculture, logging, and forestry have the highest levels of self-reported happiness and the lowest levels of self-reported stress of any major industry category, according to their analysis of thousands of time journals from government records. Healthcare and social workers rate themselves as doing the most meaningful work of anybody, apart from the lumberjacks, but they rank lower on the happiness scale and they also rank high on stress. So I guess it's a trade-off there. We we missed our calling as lumberjacks, Jill, but there's still time. It's interesting. I'd never heard of the Bureau of Labor Statistics American Time Use Survey before, but apparently this is something they track. They track happiness, sadness, stress, pain, uh, and um, exhaustion on a six-point scale. They looked at 11 years of numbers here. I mean, um, who's the, filling uh, this out? I can't imagine uh, if they asked me, I'd be apparently like, lumberjacks. I, I, who's got the time? Apparently lumberjacks sometime. Um, at least at least enough lumberjacks to, to meet their numbers here. But literally they have every industry covered, arts and entertainment, uh, management, information, transportation, uh, legal, real estate. Anyway, on the other end of the spectrum, we find that the most stressful sectors, these are probably less surprising, finance, insurance, followed by education. And then there's a broad grouping they call professional and technical industries. Uh, Among them, law, which they find is the, this is not surprising, the single most stressful occupation, uh, lawyers. The interesting thing here, Jill, is they paint a picture that a white collar job appears to significantly come with significant more stress than a blue collar job. Um, As for activities, the most meaningful and happy inducing activities were religious and spiritual, followed by the second happiest activity, sports, exercise, and recreation. That then helped them crack the case because they're like, wait, why are lumberjacks and agriculture the happiest professions? Well, number two on activities is sports, exercise, outdoor recreation. So the sense is here there's a strong link between mental health and green spaces being outdoors um, as a key to happiness here. Uh, There are studies, Jill, that even seeing a tree out your window can help you recover from illness faster. So, Jill, I do have a lot of questions about this study, though, and I have gotten them from a few people. So they went through, we talked about jobs, we talked about places where people are happy. They also talked about activities. And the activity that they found brings you the least happiness According again to the study, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, people filling out their time use surveys, self-care, least Hmm. happy activity. (laughs) Then they're not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) So based on this data, exercise or taking care of a family member is somehow bringing you more happiness and less stress than a bath. So I, I think... I think we got to do our own study. I think we need to. We we need Mo News listeners to fill out their own time use surveys. Okay, so it's interesting that they consider a bath self care 
right? Oh, I mean, I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm making an assumption. Personal care is the category. But I was trying to think, like, what are oh. some personal care? Like, you know, taking care of yourself, right? I don't know. Going For to get somehow a massage. Self, right? Self-care, I thought massage. And I just thought that's the best thing in the world. Like, I, I don't know what's better than that actually, yeah. but no, but the love obviously that you get from your family is, but I don't know. But, I'm, a, I'm, but a, in this I'm case, a new, I am a new tired parent. So I'll take all the self-care I can get. Totally. Like, so activities, uh, highest, most happiness, most meaning, least stress, religious, spiritual activities. Number two, sports, exercise, recreation. Number three, caring for and helping non-household members. Number uh, next up, caring for and helping household members, then volunteering, then eating and drinking, then telephone calls, then buying things. Buying things falls one, two, three, like eighth in. Uh, anyway, it keeps going and going. Um, household services, which I imagine is like cleaning your house, falls second to last. So that I'm not surprised by. But personal care, like, I don't know, taking a shower. Like, I, I, we're going to have to dive deeper here to see what personal care actually is. But again, this is the latest. You'll only hear it here, folks. The latest on the Bureau of Labor Statistics time use survey of how Americans are spending their time and how happy it makes them. No, but there is something to the idea of volunteering and being selfless and helping other people yes. that brings you just an immense amount of happiness. Oh, and I'm not diminishing that at all. I just I, I was surprised by the personal care number on the survey. All right, on this day. All right, Jill, I want to start off with a couple birthday notices. Today, Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, turns 59. Christian Amanpour, the uh, international reporter, 66 years old. And talk show host Howard Stern turned 70 today. So all I think about now when I think of Howard Stern is, um, have you seen Matt Friend? He has an Instagram handle. Yes. I think it's at the Matt Friend. He does impressions of Donald Trump and, and Howard Stern and other personalities. His impression of Howard Stern is so spot on. It's uncanny. uncanny. Uh, I, I highly recommend checking it out. I think Stern actually had him on uh, his show to like yes, do the impression. And they sounded um, exactly the same. It was wild. All right. Starting a little farther back in history, on this day, 108 years ago, 1915, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to reject the amendment to give women the right to vote. Uh, the vote was the second defeat for the suffrage amendment in less than a year. The Senate back in 1914 voted against it. Just give you a sense of how long the struggle was uh, for the suffrage movement. So they lose in the Senate in 1914. They lose in the House in 1915. They then come back in 1918, three years later, and finally passes the House, but then again falls short in the Senate. They finally come back again in 1919, four years later, for yet another round in Congress. And finally, the House and Senate vote in favor of passing the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote in 1919, as the U.S. turned 144 years old. That's when women finally got the right to vote. All right, Jill, now to a bit of pop culture and TV and music history. On this day, 52 years ago, the iconic show All in the Family, Norman Lear's All in the Family, starring Carol O'Connor, Gene Stapleton, premiered on CBS. Uh, many people have said that All in the Family could not air today, given political sensitivities, but it was really a groundbreaking show there in the early 70s, dealing with all issues related to race and politics. And then a little bit of uh, music, more recent news. 24 years ago today, Britney Spears released her debut studio album, Baby One More Time. Oh, baby, baby, how was I supposed to know? I don't know if you recognize that without the auto-tunes, <laughs> but that's such a diss on Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> 
We can't hate on Britney here, uh, Jill. I, I like your, that was almost a baritone rendition this morning of the uh, baby hit me one more time. <laughs> Moj, I can't help what just comes out, you know? I, I have to go with the feeling. You got to go, you got to go with, yeah. <laughs> it's it's an art. I won't criticize the art here, uh, Jill. And then 22 years ago today, I'll end with this. On January 12th, 2001, Lizzie McGuire, starring Hilary Duff, premiered on the Disney Channel. And Save the Last Dance, starring Julia Stiles, premiered in theaters. You know, Moshe, I've never actually seen Save the Last Dance. Jill, it was one of those like iconic late 90s, early 2000s movies that came out as like Freddie Prince Jr., Julia Stiles were kind of like ruling the box office, a lot of those teeny bop movies. I, I was seeing, by the way, I was like wondering like what happened to Julia Stiles? And literally the most asked question on Google with Julia Stiles is what's Julia Stiles doing now? What's she doing in 2022? What and then the third doing? question, why did Julia Stiles stop making <laughs> movies? So I think people are like, wait, what happened? Like, that was a good film. Like, Julia Stiles kind of had her movement, right? We were talking about uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. She did have a great run, right? 10 Things I Hate About You, Save the Last Dance, Mona Lisa Smile, some really, really solid movies. She's the one, I, I'm surprised she never carried it over and became, you know, just like a great adult actress either. Because she's only, she's born 1981. She's 41 yeah. years old. I feel like she could have been like a Reese Witherspoon type. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, I don't know, I'm going through IMDb and it looks like she continued to act. And, you know, Silver Lang's playbook, apparently. Um, and, uh, you know, do both TV and movies. But uh, anyway... Um, there you go. There you have it. On this day, January 12th, Lizzie McGuire, Brittany, all in the family, uh, women uh, continuing their fight to vote, and Julia Stiles with Save the Last Dance. What a day, that January 12th, Mosh. Uh <laughs> <laughs> with that, Jill, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Please remember to follow the show and subscribe to us if you don't already, so you don't miss a single episode. Jill, we are fast approaching 1 million downloads of the Mo News Podcast in That's just awesome. our first seven months. Wow, very exciting. We got to figure out how to celebrate. Uh, we'll we'll at least you know get a cake, or at least you got your AG one in the mail, so that's one way to celebrate. But we you deserve a little dessert I, for one you Send dollars. me something else, Mosh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do any better than the, the sponsored product. I'm nothing We're against it, but. We can. We have about $40,000 to go. So ideally, we'll get there in the next couple of days. Don't forget to follow me over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H for the latest and greatest in all things 24-7 news. Jill, where I get excited because tomorrow is Friday. All right, everybody. We will see you back here tomorrow.